every, every, every language learning software that I've come across has its default reward structure of you get enough right on the flashcard assignment, you pick the right words enough in an order, and they give you the little badge or the pleasant ringing sound, and that is the bare minimum to be like, good job. But if you want to take it a step further, if it's maybe you allow yourself at a higher level of engagement in that word, or the next step for you is taking that extra connection between just vocabulary and actually writing a sentence using that vocabulary, and if you do it correctly enough times, the problem and obstacle here is self-assessing yourself, you can reward yourself with whatever might be worthwhile, whether that's a piece of good chocolate for the night, or if it's uh, allowing yourself a guilty pleasure that you might not regularly or otherwise. So there's lots of ways to be thinking about that, but to be strict about it as well. For someone that doesn't have the benefit of a tutor, what kind of theories or strategies work for someone that wants to just study by themselves or can only study by themselves? I think the method I've found best for me is creating your own tutor, quite frankly, and it's never going to be as good as having a tutor, but there are so many different people on YouTube, on Teachable, who have written articles or books, and the difficult part quite often is finding one that you really resonate with and that you do model as a good tutor for yourself because everyone does it a different way. But if you do want to invest that overall language time to become fluent, I do think the, the 30 minutes, I would say, to an hour to really find someone who has consistent enough content that you could actually use in place of maybe a traditional tutor to provide another layer would be a great way to start thinking about hacking that psychology. And do you think it's better for a beginner learner to just focus on one tutor with one perspective and one curriculum on the basis that at least you're going to follow something that, you know, it might not be perfect, but at least there's a structure? Or do you think it's worth a learner to also expend some of their mental energy and some of their time on working out whether the curriculum is actually right for them and they should be di dipping and diving into, into other curricula? Everyone at all levels of learning should constantly be engaging with different methods of consuming the material up until the point at which they have truly found which ones work in which environments for them. And I think that is actually even more true at the beginner level than it is typically at the intermediate or advanced level, because that's the stage at which people are still really starting to understand. And it can often differ from language to language what works best for them in the acquisition of that language. And when, when do you reach a uh, product market fit for a language learning product and your own style? Huh, I've never thought about it that way. I, I like that question a lot. Product market fit for my language learning style. Off the top of my head, I don't think product market fit for a language learning style is anything like product market fit for a business because for a business, you have the typical reward mechanisms of revenue and proof of concept and more users and daily active traction and all of that. Whereas the equivalence of a language learner, and maybe I'm defeating my own point here, so this might be the answer, is the ability to have conversation with someone who might be a native speaker, ability to read articles that you may otherwise read in your native language, but instead in the language that you are currently learning, additional comprehension in a 
again, a fluency that you seek to gain, but also that type of fluency. So that actually, to me, would be early signs of this product market fit. So, so, so that, that is still quite a distant goal for someone that's just getting started. But what mm. do you think, uh, how do you think if, if you're using, say, a textbook or you're watching a YouTube channel or you're trying out an app, what are the signs that this might be something that's, that's worth sticking with? For me, the sign that language learning, and again, really most learning is sticking, is when the concepts or the words or the vocabulary that you're learning continues to percolate at the back of your mind even beyond the immediate exposure that you're looking at. So let's say you're watching a video and it's going over home materials like Mesa, Sia, and all of that. If you have all of those words go out the you know in one ear and out the other right after the video is over, that's a pretty good sign that it's not great product market fit. But if you, and this is often a combination as well of experimenting with multiple learning styles of maybe you write it down as the same time that you hear it, or maybe you watch a video, complete an exercise, there's a multitude of things when that's actually there at the back of your mind because you're learning it and dedicating that time to it. And you look at, let's say table again, and somewhere in your head, you are actually creating that subtle almost subconscious, but you can imperceptibly notice it, association of table, oh, it's also mesa in Spanish. That is a sign that the stickiness is beginning to be created for a language learner for me. And when should you stop? So that, that's kind of knowing when you should start. When should you stop using a, a certain technique or tool or method or platform or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, I think the simplest answer to when to stop is... Of course, when it's lived out its usefulness, that abstract concept, though, often depends on what usefulness really is to the learner. So again, if this case, usefulness is the ability to converse with someone who might come from a specific background in a culture, then that's the proxy. And then the way to test that proxy would be through any one of the multitude of apps available there to find or talk with someone in that way and capacity. Or it could be the ability to write a good essay on a current event to send to a friend or just to have because some people like to learn. I think a principle of my own experiences with language learning is while you may identify the materials that we've just mentioned will at different stages in your journey enhance or better serve your comprehension in that moment. I do think it's important to, it's never a one shot fix all thing for language learning for the most part and to continue to, just because there's a certain textbook series that might serve that really well. If you find a audio course that is very different in nature, or if you can walk on one of the chat apps with a native speaker and talk about football all the time, even if you're on the cooking unit. All of those things reinforce the connections that we're actually building for what we consider true fluidity in our brains, which is a hotly debated topic, but we won't touch that. And then the other piece, just kind of to close it quickly, is reflection, constant, constant reflection. I think the moment that a learner can identify for themselves that they are beginning to hit a plateau, the earlier they can begin to ramp up experimentation with the other forms of learning available to them, because those are likely the ones that you went through in getting to whatever one you've arrived at now. 
that is a useful cycle to be able to build into the overall learning process because the quicker you can identify that a tool has outlived its usefulness to you, the shorter and shorter you are continuing to make your fluidity journey. Let's talk about how to best study with a teacher. So if you have, uh, if you've, if you've paid for a teacher, for a tutor, or you paid for a class, how do you maximize the value uh, out of that relationship? I see teachers as challenging learners where they need it the most while reinforcing concepts and helping with reinforcements. So an example there of a very abstract answer is if I am struggling with, we'll go back to the simple example of present tense in Spanish, and it's the yendos and the yandos that you would add to verbs, I as a learner can offer up what I already have as my knowledge that I've acquired in that area, and then there are the asynchronous tools you have, the quizzes, the flashcards, the reading, the videos that you as a learner can then actually use to try and describe where your gaps might be occurring that's one area for a teacher to really provide huge value, outsized value to a student in putting together pieces that static content will never be able to do. The other one that a learner can actually involve themselves in is by very clearly communicating, especially at the beginning of the relationship, what they're seeking to learn from the motivation perspective, because then a teacher can tie it back to that as well as the first obstacles that learner is encountering. And so concepts like, how do you learn quickly? How do you identify when a tool has outlived its usefulness? All of the things that are problems, which we mentioned, reflection, ongoing questioning, adaptation, constant diversity of tools, those are elements to also communicate to a teacher in a way where that additional dynamic element 10x is the power of really everything there when you have it. So how do you know that you're working with a good teacher once you've asked these questions? I don't think there's ever really a way to say for sure that you're working with a good teacher from the get-go. It is an experience, a little bit of trial and error. The ways that I would assess a teacher interaction for myself is whether or not I feel like a teacher provides or asks the right questions when they're asking questions, because that's one mode of a teacher providing the guardrails to the learning experience. And then the other one is when the learner asks teachers questions, in what ways does a teacher attempt to provide explanation in different ways? A teacher has a certain degree of responsibility and you have a certain degree of responsibility in order to make sure the relationship works. What techniques can you provide people or rather what frameworks can you provide people to think about whether they're putting the work in to make that relationship with the teacher as successful as it can be? So in terms of framework, I'll offer just one actually that I think really hits a lot of good areas. And that is the, the reflection piece of the learning experience for the, for the learner themselves, which is how well am I actually comprehending that material? And that reflection has to, and almost naturally happens beyond the teacher-learner engagement. So between sessions, when you come back for session two, three, four, as it goes on, you as a learner have a duty to provide as much context as you can to your teacher on what your retention has been, what has worked for you, and what has not worked for you. You are not expected as a learner, especially if you have a teacher, to figure out the rest of that journey for yourself. And a really great teacher will say, okay, let's sit down and figure this out. And the best teachers will ask 
why and they'll prod into your experience, see how you're thinking and absorbing the material. And those are great signs and indicators to be looking for in the student-teacher relationship here.